Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.living. Such a sweet, sweet presence of the Lord in this place. Why don't you close your eyes and lift a hand this morning? Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We invite your presence into the remainder of this service. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us here today. God, I pray over every heart, over every mind, over every soul. Father, I pray that you would speak to every specific circumstance. God, I pray the things that I'm not aware of, that none of us are aware of, that are in the hearts of people today, that you would bring a comfort. You would bring strength to the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree with that, will you clap your hands? Will you magnify the Lord with me? Will you give praise unto the King of Kings? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. There's such a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere of worship in this place today. Welcome to all of Living Hope, all of our guests. We're so glad, as Brother Alberti said, we know that you have options. We're so glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. If you're here for the first time and you've never met Pastor or Sister Staten, Jason and Valerie Staten are some of the greatest people that any of us know. They are tremendous Christians, great pastors, tremendous leaders. You owe it to yourself to come back and meet this great godly couple. Amen. I know they are away this morning. They are ministering in Texas. And I'm thinking to myself just outside the box that maybe it's not as cool in Texas this morning as it is here. Amen. Amen. Certainly honor them. Give honor to this great congregation, all the wonderful people of God. See all of the beautiful smiling faces. I leaned over to my wife and said, four more Sundays. Sorry. It's uh, looked over and began to think to myself, you know, we don't have a Maddie Sylvia in Two Rivers yet. But God's got one just like her on the way, right? We may not have everything we got here, but God's got a foundation, and I believe God's going to do some great things there, amen? So I'm sorry. Forgive me for being a, a little more than nostalgic. I looked around at some of the new faces. Couldn't help but see Sister Carla worshiping the Lord. My goodness, she was worshiping. I watched some of you. I apologize for being distracted, but I've only got a few more opportunities. Ah, oh, God is good, isn't he? can't tell you how much I love each and every one of you. So privileged to be here this morning with all of you. Somebody say happy birthday, Rachel Silvati. Amen. What a, this must be an incredible day. Brother Tom Peoples was born 11 years ago today, according to my iPhone. Not true. Brother Tom's a little bit mature than that. And I know Sister Monk is home visiting her parents. It's her birthday as well. So this must be a real special day in history, all these great people. Amen. Smile at someone near you. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 11. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, brother and sister Alberti, for setting an atmosphere. Thank you, people of God, for worshiping. Amen. Allowing the Lord to create an atmosphere. I'm going to ask you to help me for a few moments as I feel to minister what God has laid on my heart for us today. Amen. How many of you want to hear from God today? Would it shock you if I say I, I do too? 
I mean that in a good way, obviously. Psalms chapter 11, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I think they'll put the King James Version up just a little bit slightly different, but follow along with me. Let's read it together. We're going to read the entire psalm. It's a whole seven verses long. David writes it this way. He said, in the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to the mountain? For look, anybody recognize this? The wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot privately or secretly at the heart of the upright. David asked a question that I want to preach about this morning. He said, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? There's a stop there. He says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the ones who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone. I, I want to stay out of that particular rain. And a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. I, Lord, I want something different. I'm not, I didn't order that one. For the Lord is righteous. Tell your neighbor, the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness and his countenance upholds or beholds the upright. Amen. God bless you one more time. Lay your Bibles down. Lift a hand. Father, I pray over the remaining moments of this service. I plead the blood of Jesus over every heart, every mind. I bind the spirit of distraction. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and take authority in this house. Lord, let your word have perfect course. Let your word that never returns to you void touch every heart, every life. I pray the spirit of encouragement this morning in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. The Burj Khalifa in Dubai is the world's tallest building. It stands an amazing 2,716 feet tall. It uses 3.7 meter, or for us Americans, 12 feet thick raft-type foundation. That's an interwoven foundation of which the pieces are 12 feet thick. It has 193 piles or pylons that are 5 feet across are buried 164 feet deep. They said in the building of this great structure, 110,000 tons of concrete were used in the foundation alone. Why such an effort, you might ask, because we know this, we understand this. If the foundation were to buckle, if it were to crack, the entire building would be susceptible to damage. It could be destroyed along with everyone and everything in it. And so as the people of God, we understand that the foundation is the most important part of any building. That applies not just in the physical sense, but also to spiritual buildings. Jesus taught the parable of the foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and when the winds came, when the rain came, when the flood came, when, when instability came, the building collapsed. And Jesus said it was a great collapse or it was a massive or a total failure. And so this morning, I'm not telling you something that you don't know. A building can only stand if its foundations are strong enough to hold it up. 
Amen? Now, I want to just kind of switch gears a little bit, but does anyone besides me, does anyone else think that our world has gone absolutely stark raving mad? Or is it just me? It seems to me that every time, Brother Harrison, that I turn on the news, some new catastrophe has just happened or is just about to happen. And if it's not a catastrophe, we open up that news source, there's some crazy, attention-starved person who's going to do something absolutely outrageous in order to separate themselves even further from what we would consider orthodox humanity. And then on top of that, while all of this is happening around us at a moment's notice, the spectators, the reporters around us are, are yelling that whatever it is, whatever the catastrophe, whatever the chaos, whatever it is, it's unprecedented. It's never happened before. But the truth is, when we look at these folks who are telling us that this has never been like this before, these people have never read the history of humanity. Because if they understood hi history, they would know that hardly anything that's happening today is really, truly unprecedented. Can I tell you that violence is not unprecedented? It's just not unprecedented. We are shocked and we are awed by the things that we see, but history shows that men have been violent ever since Cain rose up in anger and killed his righteous brother Abel. I, I know we don't like violence and we certainly were not for it, but it is not an unprecedented thing. I would even go so far as to say that discrimination, which is terrible, is certainly not unprecedented. Men truthfully have discriminated against other men from the beginning of time. Even in our great country where our forefathers wrote that all men are created equal, the truth of our history is that men have seldom been treated as equals. We all know that discrimination is right, is not, is not right, but whether it's right or wrong, it is not an unprecedented thing that is solely based upon our time and history. And so whether the catastrophic events of our day are precedented or unprecedented, we've got to understand one fact. All of these factors are working together with a single and sole purpose in mind. They've been designed by the enemy to destroy the very foundations of life as we know it. The word destroy that's used in our text literally means to beat down, to overthrow, to pluck, or to ruin. And I don't know about you, but I think I can speak for most people. I certainly have felt beat down over the last year and a half. Just when I don't think it can get any worse, I feel like there's another beating coming at any moment. And so for the spiritually minded man or the spiritually minded woman with half a brain, there can be no doubt that this is an intentional effort being made by an enemy to destroy, to ruin the foundation of righteousness. Make no mistake, church, this is an organized effort. There is an agenda. There is a plan to destroy the foundation upon which our civilization rests. I know it's bigger and greater than just the church. I believe that our civilization and our humanity are at stake. But the Bible tells us emphatically that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against the spirits of darkness. We're fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you know, like I know, that every one of these, all of these spirits are under the control and the direction of Satan. There is a coordinated attack upon the foundations of of righteousness. The battle is not coming. 
The battle is not in our future. The battle is at our door. The reality is that we are in the middle of this battle even as I speak. And our, our enemy is making gains upon not just humanity but upon the church at warp speed. Who would have thought, I would have never thought as a young man, that the citizens of the America that I grew up in would accept the, the levels of corruption, the depth of sin, and the debauchery that we've experienced since the turn of a century. Even growing up unchurched, not knowing the Lord, I would have never believed that the people of America would accept and celebrate the things that are going on in our, in our world today. But the foundations of our culture are under attack. America, whether they want you to believe it or not, was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Uh, I know the experts say it's not true, but America's cultural values uh, were once anchored in biblical principles of morality and spirituality. Come on, somebody still stand for righteousness. Somebody still believes uh, that the word of God is right uh, and every man a liar. I know it's just a cultural drift, and I know it's been evident for a very long time, but I believe that all of this drift, all of this pull against our culture has accelerated itself in recent years. History would go deeper and tell us that every culture has been defined by its music, certainly not a new thing. But popular music, our worldly music in America today has become worship hymns for hedonistic heathens. Oh, Brother Roberts, don't get on music. Hold on, I want to tell you about it. Our modern 21st century music consistently promotes concepts of self-worship, sinful indulgence, and violent aggression. Can I tell somebody that sex, drugs, and rock and roll were not just the anthem of the 80s, but it has become a way of life for a nation that has turned its back on God? I feel like preaching to somebody this morning. American entertainment has been hijacked, becoming one of, if not the single post top promoter of rebellion, sin, and promiscuity. I would say to the people of God that it is, it is impossible, it is absolutely impossible to turn on a television right now and not see something, some form of debauchery. Uh, listen, they are, they are, they say they have no agenda, but you can't turn on a, you can't turn on any kind of sitcom and not have to witness homosexuality or alternate lifestyle or. My friends, this is an intentional poisoning of our nation. And it's evident when you study history through the amusement of television, radio, and celebrity culture that we are in trouble. It doesn't stop there. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Our monuments and our artifacts are under attack. They are designed. Monuments, whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them, whether they're right or whether they're wrong, they're intended to remind a nation of its history. They're, remind, they're intended to remind citizens to learn from our good and to learn from our bad. No wonder the enemy wants to destroy the cultural foundations and he's attacking the symbols of our past. But it doesn't stop there. Social foundations are under attack. The family, which has been the building block of every society for hundreds of years, has been under attack, not just recently, but for decades. The biblical precedent of a family still consists of one man and one woman, a husband and a wife, and their children, the offspring of that union. 
But you know what I know, that this foundation is under attack more than it's ever been. Widespread, widespread rampant divorce, even celebrating same-sex marriages, and almost as many children in America are being born out of wedlock as there are in wedlock. These things are reaping havoc upon the foundation of the family. But even further than that, even the most basic of things is under attack. The enemy is trying to beat down the foundation of gender. Brother Jose, from the moment that I was smart enough to understand that there was a difference between boys and girls, it has not been an issue for me. I'm sorry. It has not been an issue for me. But when the foundation of gender is under attack, and it's being pummeled with confusion and spiritual error, and those things become rampant in our society, you've got to understand that there is a spiritual attack upon the foundation of truth. Come on, God made two genders. In the beginning, God created man, and God did not want that man to be alone. So God created a woman, and God gave that woman to that man. I know I'm in the right church this morning, but if, hear me people of God, if the truth twisters, if the truth deniers can get you to surrender even this fundamental truth, it will lead to more tyranny, but it does not stop there. Even the personal foundation of our society is under attack. The Bible teaches us that you are a special, specific creation of God. The Bible says that we are created in the image of God with meaning and with purpose. But I know there's all these popular worldviews that are attacking this foundational belief and contending that you and I are some type of cosmic accident with a meaningless existence. My friend, I come to preach to somebody, this cannot stand. The Bible says that you and I were created with a purpose. We are intended by God to fulfill a place of worship and to give him glory. Come on, is there a glorifier in the house? Is there somebody who knows their purpose in this place today? Spiritual foundations, you guessed it, they're under attack. Even the almighty God himself is being attacked. Unbelievers are continually attacking God and his word, transforming him into a false god of their own making. The wicked spread the lie that this inspired, preserved, inerrant, everlasting, indestructible word of God is simply a book of fairy tales written by men. But I'm preaching to some people today who have found the principles of this book are principles of life. They are principles that you can build on. Can I get a witness in this house? The house of God, the local church, the pillar and the ground of truth made up of saved, Holy Ghost filled, Jesus named baptized believers in some cases has been turned into a social club filled with pride and lasciviousness by unprincipled people who knowingly and unknowingly lead or led by the evil one. But it goes even further. The people of God, the holy people of God, have been, have been corrupted by the sins of the people that they were meant by God to reach uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I'm talking about good people, well-meaning people who in their pride reject the passionate preaching of the Word of God. They prefer teachers who will tickle their ears and rubber stamp their carnal desires. We read it in our text. The enemy is already bending the boat and they're making ready the arrow and the string has been released because they're shooting privately or secretly at the heart of the upright. I've painted for you this morning a pretty dire picture, a pretty negative thing, and I've come with a word of encouragement, but in order to encourage you, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. There is no doubt to anyone in this room, if you're listening half at all, that we are living in chaotic and troubling times. We're living in times of cultural decay and history will say of our lifetimes that we were people who were filled with spiritual apostasy. My opinion, Brother Henderson, as we're watching as these cataclysmic events are unfolding right before our eyes, that every foundation that once seemed so strong is cracking and crumbling around us. And so these are the points that were happening in David's life. And he began to ask the question, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I would be surprised if there's a person in this room who's not had this thought in some form or another. What's going on in our world? Why is all this happening? What are we going to do about it? I don't know what to do. And on and on and on. Certainly you're probably similar to me in all of this. But David gives us some principles from this word that I want to share with the people of God this morning. I want you to understand that the foundations truly are under attack. And I believe in many cases they are not just being attacked, they are cracked and crumbling. And they are certainly are going to fall in many areas. But I began to look back at this passage and David said it this way. Before he even asked the question, he answers it. He said, I, he said, in the Lord put I my trust. My friend, we can ask the question, what can the righteous do? But I've come to tell somebody in the midst of darkness, in the midst of chaos, the righteous can still trust God. Oh, come on, somebody hear me. I'm not just saying words. I want to preach into your spirit this morning. You can still trust God. I know the foundations are crumbling, but we can trust the Lord. If you were to look in our passage at verse 4, he says this. He said, the Lord is still, I'm sorry, I added the still, but to me it makes more sense. He said, the Lord is in his holy temple. I want somebody to know you can trust God because he's still upon a throne in heaven. Come on, somebody, hear what I'm saying. He's still upon a throne in heaven. His position has not changed. He's not moved physically. He's not moved spiritually. He's still the author and the finisher of your faith. He's still the alpha. He's still the omega. We used to sing the old song, he's God on the platform. He's God at the back door. He's God in the amen corner, and he's God forevermore. 
I know the world is upside down right now, and the world that you're living in feels chaotic, but you can trust that there's a God in heaven who's still upon a throne. Ephesians chapter 2 speaks to you and to me. He says of the church that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. My friends, that's the word of God. Jesus Christ himself. (laughs) Who did Jesus make the chief cornerstone? He said, I know there's coming a time when the foundations are going to be crumbling around them. So I'm going to make sure that I, myself, am the corner. He said, himself. I wish somebody would get the mentality. He didn't put somebody else on the corner. He said, I am going to hold this thing down. I am going to be the foundation upon which everything is built. Destroy the family, he's still the cornerstone. Destroy the culture, he's still the cornerstone. Create division and chaos, he's still the cornerstone. Oh, come on. But as long as you and I are built upon the prophets and the apostles, let me break it for you. That's the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's the whole word of God. That's everything. Uh, Listen, listen, this is God's building block. It's got no cracks in it. The the foundation is still sure. The church uh, is being. Come here, brother. Come here, come here, come here, come here. here. You, big guy, come here. Put that big paw up here. Put it in there. Look at that. Now, don't hurt me. Be nice. You see how that fits? Right? That fits. All right, don't hurt me. I said don't hurt me. That fits. Right? He said, listen, you got to understand something about the foundation. He said, I'm fitly framing this thing together. And it's on a right. Woo, come on. Somebody reach over and get somebody by the hand and put your fingers in her life. I want you to feel what fitly. Put it, don't hurt them. Put your fingers together. That's what, listen, that's what the kingdom, thank you, sir. That's what the kingdom of God, he said, listen, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I myself am the cornerstone, and I'm going to put a church together the way that it's going to fit. Oh, no. They say. In our society, there's big divisions. You can't have white people and black people and Hispanic people and whatever. We got other cultures. You can't have all them people in the church. But God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to fitly. I'm going to put them right like that. I'm going to put them right. Listen, you've got the, there's still a right foundation. He's still God on the throne. Sister Naomi, help me make that big so they can see it. You got to read verse 22. He said this they're all built together for an habitation of God in the Spirit. 
This is where God lives. Listen, out there the world is full of, full of chaos and darkness and confusion. But when we come together and... <laughs> this is where God lives. You want to know? This is... With the foundations under attack, good. When I come in here, I've got a cornerstone, and I've got a building, that word of God. Listen to me, listen to me. And it's all put together by God just how he wants it put together. He's doing the thing that he wants to do. And not only that, he didn't just build a building. He's going to move right into the habitation. Whoa, come on. Somebody needs something from God. You're in the right place today. This is where the presence of God lives. But that's not the only thing you can trust. If you read the rest of verse 4, he said he's in his holy temple, but he's also on the throne. Sister Lawrence, there's no challenge to his office. There ain't no threat to his reign. Uh, you, it may not feel like it. It may not even look like it. But he's still the Lord God Almighty. He's still sitting on the throne. He's still in control. I know there's chaos. I know there's disorder. But you can trust that he's God on the throne because he's still the king over every king. He's still the Lord over every Lord. Come on, somebody. He's on the throne. David said it like this in Psalms 20. Some are going to trust in chariots and some will trust in horses. But we, those that are on the foundation, we're going to remember. We're going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. God has placed his authority. I wish I had some apostolic folk that wanted to have some church today. Listen, God has given us a name which is above every other name. Jesus built a house and founded it right, and then he inhabited it, and then he didn't leave it alone. He put his authority there. Listen, in a day when everything around us uh, that can be shaken, according to the Bible, shall be shaken. Oh, is being shaken, right? But that's not true about the kingdom. You got to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. He talks about the church. I know the Bible says everything that can be shaken shall be shaken. But my brothers and my sisters, that is not true of the church. He says it this way wherefore, we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. I'm going to stay in the church. I'm going to get back on the foundation. I'm on the solid rock because the whole world may crumble, but the church is not in danger. But those spirits, they come and they know what they're doing. Oh, oh. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do with COVID? Government. 
crisis, catastrophe. Oh, my Lord, global warming. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, what do we do? I don't know. I read the heaven and the earth are going to pass away, and he's going to give us. How many of y'all like new things? That's right. Amen. 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 Hear this preacher today. Hear what I'm saying to you. What can the righteous do? We can trust that God is still on the on the throne. We can trust. Come on. We're founded upon a spiritual foundation. We are filled with a spiritual habitation. I want somebody to know those voices are real. I was standing a couple of weeks ago. Be seated just for a moment. I was standing. Well, Josh, outside the church in Two Rivers, Wisconsin, 150 yards from Lake Michigan, and the wind was up, and I'm standing there, and man, I mean, the waves were crashing, and it was sounded really, I mean, whew, and it was just loud and deafening, and I was like, wow, and I could look out there, Brother Junior, and I could see the waves were, man, they were building, and it was just, the wind was howling, and one of the guys there, one of the, one of the fellows there that I, I know, he walked up to me and I said, do you hear that? And he said, hear what? I said, you can't hear that? He said, hear what? I said, the noise the lake is making. He said, no, I live just or down here a little bit. He said, we hear that all the time. I'm just used to it. Listen to me, my friend, uh, there's a lot of noise. Uh, there's a lot of confusion. And if you're not careful, you'll just get used to it. Uh, you'll just think it's normal. You'll just think, come on. Uh, but I come to preach to somebody There's real. There's still a foundation. And the waves can roar. And the wind can blow. But we are built uh, upon a foundation of righteousness. Uh, and there is no storm. Uh, there is no trial. There is no tribulation that can tear it down. Oh, I want to open my ears again. I want to hear with freshness. I know the noise out there, but I want to hear the word. Amen. What can the righteous do? Don't throw your faith away. Don't come on, don't let your faith be tossed aside. Don't listen to the wind. Oh, Jesus said the wind bloweth where it listeth, and you can't even tell where it comes. But when the Spirit comes, oh, come on. We need some Holy Ghost-filled people of God who are not listening to the noise of chaos and disturbance and trouble, but some people who can hear the voice of God who says, oh, it can, it's going to be all right. Talking about the same preacher, Brother David, who got up and preached, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the people of God begging for bread. Come on, somebody. It's time to trust in God. He's still on the throne. He's still got authority. He still is in charge of everything. Well, preacher, what happens if I don't make it out of this? What happens if I get COVID and die? He's still got on the throne. Amen. What happens if I lose my, I lose my home? He's still got on the throne. Right. What happens if this catastrophe happens? He's still upon the throne. Uh, listen to me. I'm not asking for something negative to happen, uh, but whether I live or whether I die, I still belong to the Lord in heaven. Come on. If they put me in a casket and roll me up here and y'all say good things about me, he's still God upon the throne.
I rebuke that spirit of terror. I bind that spirit of confusion and chaos. I stand against that voice that roars in the minds and the hearts of the people of God. I loose the spirit of peace. Now I'm I'm loosening that voice of calm and peace. Come on, I want to preach strength into somebody's heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. We got this kingdom that cannot be moved. I know some folks, some good folks that go to church are worried about what's going to happen to the church. Don't worry about the church. We could lose the building. They could burn it down. It could fall down. It doesn't matter. That's not the church. The church is the people of God who are bond together and united in the presence of an almighty God. But what can the righteous do? We can trust God. It doesn't stop there. Because if you were to keep reading in verse 12, of chapter 12, verse 28 of Hebrews, he said, since we're receiving a kingdom, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, that is unshakable. Let us be thankful. The King James said, let us, let us have grace. It's translated in most other forms as let us be thankful. What can the righteous do? The righteous can be thankful. We can say thank you, God. We can say thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. We can say, God, I thank you for all your blessings. Can I tell somebody it's not time to become critical? It's not time to become cynical? It's not time to be bitter or disappointed? Now is the time to thank God. He's my blessing. He's my portion. He's my rock. He's my strength. I'm talking to some. Well, that seems so easy. So tell me something deep, preacher. I'm telling you something deep. That noise that's rolling in, that spirit of chaos that's attacking the people of God wants to take away every bit of thankfulness out of you. But I want you to understand that every time you look at a negative situation and say, God, I don't know why. I don't understand. But I'm thankful that you let it happen in my life. Listen, you're glorifying him. You're magnifying him. You're putting it on the foundation. What can the righteous do? The righteous uh, can give thanks to the Lord. The righteous uh, can look at negativity and say, no, God, uh, I know you meant it for good. I know the world meant it for evil, just like Joseph said. But, God, I know that whatever you're doing in my life, uh, you're doing it for my good. Why? Because we know that all things uh, work together for the good uh, to them that know God, to them that are called by his name. Brother Jones, that verse doesn't stop there. The righteous can trust God. When everything says, man, put your faith in gold, don't even buy the money market right now. The righteous can trust God. And the righteous can take that critical, cynical. I'm, t- I'm talking to some folks. I know, what I'm t- I know where I'm preaching this morning because it happens to every one of us. And that just that little attitude, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. That's, listen, that's, that's being critical. I know what's going to happen. We're the Lord's. Right? Brother Jose said, let, 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 the, let, uh, let, let the people of God say so. 
Listen, we, we, we can be assured of that, right? But he says this. He says in verse 28, he says to be thankful or to be show grace. But all other translations say, or the King James says, and serve him. Now, where's my Bible scholars? Quiz time, Brother Josh. I won't pick on Brother Josh much. What did God tell Moses to say to Pharaoh before he delivered his people? He said, you go in there and you tell that mean old Pharaoh, let my people go, Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, that they may serve me. Right? It's the same word in the Greek, it's a similar word, right, that he uses in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. He says that we may serve the Lord, right? That word serve all throughout Scripture don't mean like I'm handing you dinner. It means worship. What can the righteous do? The righteous can trust God. The righteous can be thankful, but the righteous are not going to get caught up in fear. They're not going to get caught up in chaos. The righteous are going to worship God. The worst, the righteous are going to magnify the name. The righteous. Oh, come on, I wish there were some righteous folk in this house that would stand on their feet and begin to praise God and lift him up. Oh, what can we do? The foundation is cracking. The foundation is crumbling. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I bless that name. What a wonderful name. I'm going to give glory and honor and praise. But the noise of the wave says, y'all can't have church. It's dangerous. It's terrifying. Somebody could get hurt if y'all come together and have church. Let me tell you, let me give you the interpretation to that in the Roberts version. The devil is afraid he's going to get hurt if we come together and we begin to serve, we begin to serve the Lord. That's what the, come on, that's the interpretation. Uh, listen, uh, what can the righteous do? The righteous can make their way to the house of God. The righteous can magnify the name of the Lord. The righteous can give God praise. The righteous aren't operating in fear. The righteous are operating as worshipers. What Jesus said in the last day, I'm looking for true worshipers. I'm looking for... But I hear the noise coming in and it's crashing. And it says I got to come and be terrified and fearful. I'm not saying we should be stupid. I'm not saying we shouldn't take precautions. But I'm telling you this. I don't know. But as for me and my house, that means me and that pretty lady right there, we're going to go to the house of the Lord. We're going to worship. We're going to magnify the name. We're going to bless the Lord. We're going to give praise. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. We're what can the righteous do? The righteous can make up their mind to worship and to praise and to glorify God. Oh, I wish I had a worshiper in the house. I wish I had somebody who would magnify God.
Oh, come on. Is there a worshiper? We've been given a kingdom that cannot be moved. I'm not going to let the noise move me away from my purpose. You hear this preacher? They can get you to buy into the lie that you can make a choice whether to be a boy or a girl. As absurd as it sounds, if they can get you to buy into that calamity, they can steal your worship immediately. If they took one crack into the foundation, they could take it all, Brother Bo. There's an agenda. There's a reason. There's an attack upon the foundation. And as the people of God, I think the question might be changed, Brother Moses, to not what can the righteous do. I know the enemy knows what we can do, but I think the enemy is asking what will the righteous do. Say, preacher, this don't apply. Let me give you some background. David was Saul's son, and Saul was the king, so David's family was attacking him. And David's government, oh, I'm going to mess with somebody here. David's government was trying to kill him. And David's family was trying to destroy him. <laughs> you hear this preacher? And David asked the question, what can the righteous do? And he began to answer his own question. He said, uh, we can trust uh, because God's still on the throne. Uh, we can trust uh, because this is a habitation of the presence of God. We can trust uh, because we're still worshipers. Uh, we can trust, uh, but he's not quite done there. He finishes up that psalm. He said, for the righteous Lord loveth. He always loves righteousness. And he says his countenance does behold the upright. What are you talking about, David? Listen, well, you may say, preacher, I don't feel very righteous, but I've told you this a thousand times. Uh, and if I get out of here in four weeks and I don't tell you again, shame on me. Righteousness is not how you live. Righteousness is what you believe. Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. And that Bible that I just read to you says the righteous Lord loves righteousness. He loves faith. He loves people who will not listen to the noise of the crashing of the waves but they're going to tune all of that out and begin to tune in uh, the presence of an almighty God. Uh, they're going to tune in truth. Uh, they're going to get back on the foundation. Uh, they're going to get on the pillars uh, that are bigger than the biggest building, and they're going to begin to fitly frame themselves uh, as part of the body of Christ, uh, and they're going to turn their hearts and their minds to righteousness. What can the righteous do? In the scope of things, this, what I feel to be a great church, does not seem like even something great in the realm of our county of 120,000 people. But what's happening here this morning 
is more important than anything else that will happen in this county this week or this month or next month or possibly the rest of the year. Why? Because somebody is going to make a decision right here today that no matter what the noise around me is, no matter what the world says, no matter how much chaos, I'm going to trust God. I am going to depend upon his name. I am going to become an even greater worshiper. Hell is afraid of you. I want to open this altar. I want everybody who can, everybody who will, make your way up to this front. I want us to, I want us to confirm in our mind. Listen, you've got to understand, you can trust the mighty God. You can trust. He's still, he's still on the throne. The world is changing, but heaven has not changed. The attack is real, but he's still the mighty God who was in Christ, who was reconciling Jeff Roberts and Bobel Andingham, right? And Moses Valeskas. He's still that mighty God who was reconciling us to himself. But I want somebody to understand if your world is shaking right now, it's time to step out of where you're living and plant yourself upon the foundation of the Word of God, which cannot be shaken and it cannot be moved. Oh, somebody right now lift a hand and begin to worship God. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.